0: Welcome to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in their lives, and it's a place where your questions about faith and religion can be answered. And now, here's your host, Deacon Al. Thank you, John, and welcome to Good News here on Catholic Spirit Radio. I am Deacon Al Lundy, a permanent deacon of the Peoria Diocese. Hello to all of you from all the various dioceses uh, who are listening to our programs. Uh, we're love to have you here on Catholic Spirit Radio. We appreciate your company. We appreciate your participation in our programming. And we hope you will uh, continue to join us and continue to tell your friends and family about Catholic Spirit Radio so that not only can our family grow, but our ministry can grow as well. We're talking uh, at Good News about the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We go over the readings from this weekend's Mass. I talk about how they affect us in our real life Today, And we talk about a few other things here and there as well. Uh, If you'd like to be part of the program, you can do that by sending in your questions about the Catholic faith or Christianity in general to our email here at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.org. And we'd be happy to answer your questions here on the air. And I get some every now and then from uh, parishioners as we're entering or leaving Mass. And so I'll include some of those as well. I have one today we'll, we'll try and get to that I, I hope you'll find interesting. I want to backtrack for just a minute uh, before we look at this weekend, which is the third weekend of Lent. I want to back up to the second weekend and, and the readings we had there. Uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to be homilist at, uh, at my, one of my parishes this last weekend. And the reading was, of course, if you remember, the Transfiguration of Christ on the top of Mount Tabor. And it reminded me of my, uh, my visit last spring out to Yosemite National Park, where my wife and I went to see these grand trees, the sequoias. And uh, we had to take quite a hike. There's a, there's a bus that takes you from the visitor center up to the trailhead, and then you take the trail to the sequoia. And the whole trip's about three miles But there's a bus that takes you the first two. Well, we got there a couple of weeks too early and the bus wasn't running yet. So we had a three-mile hike through mountain trails, uphill, 800 feet, to get to this beautiful, the oldest sequoia in the Mariposa uh, Valley. It's over 3,000 years old. So think about that. Uh, This is 1,000 years older than Christ, than Christ's incarnation. And uh, so it was worth the hike. Uh, This was... Three days after I had just recovered from my broken foot, and I just before we left on vacation, I developed bronchitis. So I'm walking up a mountain trail, up 800 feet for three miles with bronchitis and a newly healed foot. Mm. And we finally arrived at at uh, Grizzly Giant, uh, this immense tree. This tree is 36 feet at its base, the diameter. 209 feet high. So if you're familiar with Holy Trinity Church, downtown Bloomington, this is half again as tall as Trinity from the ground to the top of their tower, half again up. A living tree, a living tree, 3,000 years old. Its lowest branch is seven feet in diameter. What an incredible sight, right? And we knew we were going to see uh, this, this great tree. We knew a lot of the details about it. But until you get there, You don't realize how amazing it is. And I'm thinking, we were awestruck by a tree. Imagine how Peter, James, and John felt climbing to the top of an even taller mountain. They went about another 400 feet higher than we did. And the sight they saw with the transfigured Christ, not having any idea what they were going to see, uh, and it just it just really filled me with awe as to what that moment would have been like. But for for both my wife and I, and for for Peter James and John, you don't have that experience if you're not willing to make the journey. And the journey can sometimes be really difficult, but it's still worth the journey for what you discover at the end. And that made me, of course, think about Lent. Some of us take very difficult trails on Lent, and some of us take very easy trails. I think it's the ones who take the most difficult trail, who have the most, the sense of awe at the end. And, and so my homily was about, don't be afraid to take the difficult trail. Your, your Lenten fast, whatever you abstain from uh, this Lent, should change you. It shouldn't be a pause, I'm going to stop drinking coffee for 40 days. That's what I'm going to give up. And then I'm going to start drinking coffee again. Well, you haven't really given anything up. You've paused from the same life, but you haven't really sacrificed. So I, I guess my message to you and, and what I tried to get across uh, last Sunday, and it's not too late if you haven't started your your Lenten journey yet. It's not too late to start. Make it meaningful. Make the most out of it. Take the tough trail. Uh, be willing to exhaust yourself for these 40 days so that at the end, when we, when we have... The resurrection of Christ, it means something. It fills you with a sense of awe. And I think that the the, the more you put into it, the more you get out of it. I think Lent is, is like that. So be willing to take the tough trail. Be willing to change, to transfigure yourself in, in this Lenten journey. Come out of it a different person than you went in. Don't just pause from something. Change yourself. Give something up that separates you from Christ— or bring something into your life to draw yourself closer to Christ. Don't just say, well, I've got this bad habit. I'm going to pause it for 40 days and then pick it up again at the end. You haven't changed anything. Um, make the effort. Take, take, take the trough, take the tough trail, climb the mountain. And, and I think you'll, you'll be in awe of, of what, what waits for you at the end. So that's, that's my little recap of, of last weekend. This weekend we head into the, the third week of Lent and you might hear these same readings at your mass. You might hear something different. There's an option for the next three weeks. Uh, we're in cycle a for our, I'm sorry. We're, we're into cycle B for our gospel readings mostly, but we have an option for the next three weeks of using a, so we can either do the gospels from Mark or we can do the gospels from John. So, uh, in, in the churches I serve, uh, uh, we've de- we've decided to go with the option. So I'm going to be using the readings from Cycle A rather than cycle B and uh, and that's what we'll talk about. So if you hear something different, uh, I'm not wrong. They're not wrong. We just we chose a different path, okay? So uh, that's what we're going to talk about. The third week of Lent, uh, as I say, it's not too late if you if you haven't uh, made that choice of of how you're going to change, it's not too late. We still have uh, weeks to go uh, before Easter arrives. Uh, so think about that. Uh, think about what Lent is really about and what Easter is is really about. And that's what all of our readings for the next few weeks are, are discussing. We're trying to bring you closer to the realization of just who Christ is and what the resurrection means to us today in our lives. And sometimes we we forget about that when we're at Mass. We hear these readings. We think of them strictly as history. This is what happened in the past. This is, what, this is what we need to know about what happened in Christ's lifetime. And that's not what the Mass is about. And that's not what the readings are about. The readings are about the lessons that we learn from Christ in the past that are applicable today. And everything we read in Scripture can be applied today. Uh, and so listen closely when you're at Mass. There are great lessons to be learned, uh, lessons that, that can uh, make your life easier. Uh, the burden is easy. You know, so don't don't be afraid with what you hear. You'll you'll be a happier, freer person by following the teachings of Christ than by trying to ignore them or avoid them. So we're going to take a break for just a few minutes. When we come back, we'll go into we'll dive deep into this weekend's readings on the third week of Lent. You're listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio. This is Deacon Al, Catholic Spirit Radio, and we are so glad to have you with us. So our readings are a bit lengthy this uh, this weekend, and because of that, we're going to skip over the second reading and just talk about the first reading and and the gospel. Our first reading is from the Book of Exodus; gospel is from uh, John. And uh, let's let's just jump into it. So, uh, a reading from the Book of Exodus. From the desert of sin, the whole congregation of the children of Israel journeyed by stages as the Lord directed and encamped in Repidim. There was no water for the people to drink. They quarreled, therefore, with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to a test? Then in their thirst for water, the people grumbled against Moses, saying, Why did you ever make us leave Egypt? Was it just to have us die here of thirst with our children and our livestock? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? A little more, and they will stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, Go over there in front of the people, along with some of the elders of Israel, holding in your hand as you go the staff with which you struck the river. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock in Horeb. Strike the rock, and the water will flow from it for the people to drink." This Moses did in the presence of the elders of Israel. This place was called Massa and Meribah because the children of Israel quarreled there and tested the Lord, saying, Is the Lord in our midst or not? The word of the Lord. So I want you to think about this for a moment. We're we're moving into Easter, we're coming up to the resurrection. The people are all grumbling. They're mad at Moses. They're a little mad at God. And this is the amazing thing. Why are they mad? They're a little thirsty. They were slaves. They used to be, they're used to being beaten and worked till they were nearly dead. They escaped from Egypt, a land where the Pharaoh killed all their children. And they're complaining. Moses took them away from all that and they're complaining because they have some thirst. Well, couple of things. One, they should have planned better. They knew where they were headed. I mean, they had days to get ready to head out into the desert. Who goes for how long in the desert and doesn't bring water? My wife and I went for a trip out west our first time and and we had two five gallon uh, jerry jugs of water in the car, not knowing what we would need because we'd never been in the desert before. So we took 10 gallons of water with us. And we ended up bailing out two other drivers whose radiators went dry, and had brought had gone to the desert with no water. Their kids were dry, and the radiator was dry, and we were able to help them out because, thank you, Boy Scouts. You know, be prepared. I filled a couple big water jugs. So these guys went into the desert knowing, for days, they were going into the desert and evidently didn't bring enough water with them, uh, and they didn't trust. They trusted that that God who the God who got them across the Red Sea. They said, "Okay, he did that, but he's not going to do anything else for us." They think there's no other graces to be had. They've what they've used them all up, and they don't trust Moses, their leader, to care for them. So now they're starting to complain and rebel. This is, as you remember, a stiff-necked people. Uh, How many how many miracles from God did they need to see? They saw seven before they left ever left Egypt, and still they don't believe that God is on their side. And so they they start to bicker like small children over this. So Jesus. Tells Moses, you'll see me raised up on a hill, on a rock. Strike the rock with a stick and water will, will pour out. Well, let's think about Easter about Good Friday for a minute. Jesus raised up on a hill, on a rock, right? On the cross. And what happens? He's struck with a stick. A spear pierces his side. And what happens? Blood and water. Life. You know, water and blood, that's, that's what gives us life. And that gushes out of his side. And so here in the desert, the rock he's on, struck with a stick and water gushes out. This is a prefigurement of, of the passion of, of Christ. And through the water from, from, from Christ, uh, the people live. They're, they're refreshed. But Jesus is going to remind us, uh, very shortly in our gospel that there's a difference between the water we drink From nature and the the water that we get from Christ. And and so pay attention, pay attention to that part as well. I I just I find it amazing that we have the witness of the Israelites. I mean, before Christianity uh, and the New Testament ever existed, we have the testament from, from the Jewish people as to who God is and that God exists. And yet we still have people today who can't see that. Who take all this all this written witness and say, "Well, you haven't shown me. Show me, and I'll believe." And the, what good did that do? God showed Himself to the Jews how many times, and still they believed for a short time, and then they went back to their human weakness. Of, so what did you? You know, that's what, those are the miracles you did for me yesterday. What did you do for me today? Uh, we like we like the Israelites can be so fickle. And of such little faith. And, and we forget of all, all the great things God has done for us. And then we bicker about the little irritations in our life. And we forget that God hasn't left us. God hasn't changed. He still loves us. He still wants to do things for us. But we've got to get through our own, our own immaturity as, as Christians. And, and realize that God hasn't left us. When when we're not in connection with God, it's because we walked away. If in your life right now you feel like God has abandoned you, I I encourage you to sit down in someplace quiet where you can focus on the voice of God and just talk to Him and start with, I'm sorry I forgot about you. Because God never forgets about us. But so often we get caught up in our own human frailty that we forget about God. And that's what happens with the tribes of Israel over and over again. And that's what we tend to do over and over again. And what Moses is trying to say is, have a little faith, have a little trust, and uh, trust in, in in the leadership, in this case, Moses, in, in our case, our, our our priests and our bishops, and have a little trust in God, that this is a God who greatly loves us more than anything else out of all his creation. nothing is more precious to him than you. But how precious is God to you? Take a few moments to, to sit down and just talk to God and and say, I'm sorry. Uh, this this void between us is is my fault and I'm sorry and listen to the voice of God. He answers all prayers, and there doesn't need to be this, this separation, no matter what has caused you your, the sadness in your life. Uh, it could be an illness. It could be a disagreement with a spouse or a parent or a child. Uh, it could be an addiction. Whatever has separated you from God is because you let it take you away from God and not God away from you. In our gospel today, it comes from the Gospel according to John, and again, we're going to talk about this this life giving water uh, that can only come from from Christ, and how that affects us uh, today, just as it did uh, back in uh, back in the Christ, time of Christ. So, John writes that at that time Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. Remember, we're still in a desert, noon in the desert. This is a pretty miserable time of day to be out, especially on a, on a trek like Jesus and the apostles were. But even for the people who live in this area, most of them at this time of day are sitting somewhere in the shade relaxing because this is a miserable time of day. So he goes uh, and, and sits at the well about noon. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into town to buy food, and the Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with, with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water the woman said to him, Sir, you don't even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us this cistern and drank from it himself, with his children and his flocks? And Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I shall give you will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water, Welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming back here to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. And The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You're right in saying I do not have a husband, for you've had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him, Sir, I can see you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. And Jesus said to her, Believe me, woman, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You people worship what you do not understand. We worship what we understand, because salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Christ is coming, the one called the Anointed One. When he comes, he'll tell us everything. And Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and they were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, what are you looking for? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. And meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me, and to finish his work. Do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields are ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified that One sows, and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for, and others have done the work, and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of the town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves. And we know that is, that is truly the savior of the world, the gospel of the Lord. There's, uh, there's a lot happening here. It's a long reading because there's a lot to digest. You know, when you, um, I've been on a few occasions to a a retreat house out near St. Louis called White House. And the White House is run by uh, the Jesuit order. A lot of people, even even in the Catholic uh, community, a lot of people complain about Jesuits, yeah, you know, and 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 in some cases, rightly so. But the Jesuit priests I've met out at White House have been fabulous, really fantastic, and the retreat uh, leaders that I've I've studied under, uh, really amazing. And one of the things I really love about the uh, the Jesuit uh, charisma is how they study Scripture, and they have a a great practice of using imagination and that doesn't mean making things up it means you take yourself and you you place yourself into the reading you take yourself back in time to that place you you pick out a character in the reading and you you become that character and you you think about how is what's going on around affecting you and that fills in so much of the missing details because the readings aren't minute to minute journals They're kind of an overview of of an activity, and you're expected to think about it. And in that thought, you fill in some of these gaps. Well, if you think about the Samaritan woman, uh, the Samaritans were uh, the lost tribes of of Judaism. They were the the cast off. They went off and and they intermarried uh, with other tribes, and they developed their own set of, of beliefs about God and their own practices and their own traditions. And that really honked off the rest of the, the tribes of Israel. And they created this big separation. So like, we're the real believers and you, the Samaritans, you're the, you're the false believers. You're, you're the corrupted believers. You know, we do that today, uh, among our own Christian brothers. Uh, we, we, we sometimes think ill of this Christian faith or that Christian denomination thinks ill of us. Uh, and it's just because we have these different, we've, we've wandered away from each other for the last 500 years or so. We've just wandered away from each other and developed different traditions and, and slightly different beliefs, but the core is the same. And here we see the Samaritans now coming to the realization of, of who God is and, and who, who the Christ is. And this Samaritan woman really represents all of us. We all have these, uh, false husbands, these, uh, false beliefs that, that we, uh, become addicted to for a while. It could be power. It could be money. It could be possessions, and those are also temporary. Wealth can be taken away. Possessions can be lost. Uh, power can be can be usurped. So those are all temporary. The real, the real thing is is Christ, is the love of Christ. Because no one can take your faith from you. You can abandon it by your own choice, maybe, but no one can take it from you. Everything else that you hold dear can be taken. And from this woman she, she goes from false belief to false belief. She's had five false beliefs in the past. And now she's the one she has now isn't even her belief. She's borrowing somebody else's in Samaria. And Jesus is saying there's only one true there's only one truth in all of this, and that's me. And he offers the, the this water that that keeps you from ever being thirsty again. That's that's the faith in Christ. And it's offered to all of us, just as he's offered it to this woman. It's offered to all of us. No one has to find faith. We're all given faith through our baptism. Not everybody accepts it. And that's the difference. So I guess today what I'm what I'm asking you is: where are you in your life? Are you the woman at the coming to the well? Uh the lowest of low, ostracized from her whole community. That's why she's coming to the well at noon when everybody else in their right mind would be there early in the day before it got hot. She's not uh, welcomed among the other women because she's had all these different husbands. And right now she's fooling around with somebody else's. So she's not welcome to be around the other women. So she has to come in the heat of day to do this. So she's at a really low point in her life until she discovers Christ. And then her whole world changes. And now she's leading the whole community to come see Christ. So where are you? Are you the woman at the well who's given up on the truth or or has never actually met the truth? And you're wandering from from belief to belief, maybe from church to church, maybe from addiction to addiction? Or are you the woman at the well after she meets Christ, who realizes that this is the truth and then sets out to share the truth with others? She will never be alone again after this meeting now with Christ, she's now become a leader in the community. People are following her and saying, we believe you. You can turn away from everything wrong in your life now by turning to Christ, and He will change everything. We'll talk again next week on Good News here on Catholic Spirit Radio. Until then, this is Deacon Al Lundy. May Almighty God bless you, protect you from all evil and bring you to everlasting life. You've been listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio, a program for teens and almost teens to better understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is relevant in your life. Submit your questions to Deacon Al at goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. That's goodnews at catholicspiritradio.com. Deacon will answer your questions about faith and religion. Thank you for listening to Good News on Catholic Spirit Radio.